Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 73 of the Audible Farm Podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by the one, the only, Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is located right here in Iowa. It is roasted to you your specifications and then shipped directly to your house you can check it all out www.couchtowncoffee.com and find a coffee you like the best part about it you can save 20 percent by entering this week's code word just because you listen to the audible farm podcast so thanks couchtown this week's code word is 3xw 3XW is this week's code word. Oh, man. Save yourself 20%. www.couchtowncoffee.com Why is this week's code word 3XW? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm sitting down with Todd Countryman. Todd Countryman, um, you might know him as uh, his... He's the owner of 3XW. You might also know him as an in-ring persona at 3XW as he has participated uh, also in his own wrestling promotion. We sit down and talk about all sorts of things, how he got interested in wrestling, what got him started in this, uh, first promoting shows to uh, how it's changed over the years, all sorts of things. I've been to quite possibly hundreds of 3x shows over the years and uh it's tons of fun i really had a great time Uh, every single time i went to a 3x show i highly suggest everybody check it out uh don't scare away from this one because we're talking pro wrestling we try and break it down and make it you know easy to digest for everybody listening so i hope you guys all enjoy this one i had a great time sitting down talking with todd and i bet you guys are gonna love it too so here we go episode 73 with 3x wrestling owner todd countryman it's the audible farm podcast with your host peter stockdale All right, so today I'm sitting down with Todd Countryman, and Todd, you are a professional wrestling promoter. Would that be the correct term, or what term do you like to use? That, um, yeah, I mean that's that's technically what it is. Uh, you know, I've promoted professional wrestling events since uh, 2005, and then I also do you know various other tasks or jobs within the company i guess you could say yeah um i mean i'd first started i first came to know who you were i attended a whole bunch of 3x wrestling shows in the des moines area and uh you know around iowa actually i mean that was you know for a couple years i mean you're just as aware as i am for a couple years there i didn't miss a show i mean i'd go to every single show but but uh you i mean you've been doing this for how many years how many years have you been involved with 3x is that like let me start at the beginning is that something you started yeah i I, um so our first event was in july 2005 oh you're gonna have to give me a second Um, here that was a guy named david anderson your first event your first event was when uh july 2005 oh nice and i met a guy named uh, david anderson um i guess i don't know six or eight months before that maybe um he was putting on a an autograph signing with uh, jerry the king lawler 
I got a flyer when I was coming out of a Monday Night Raw, and it was at a local mall. It was at Southridge Mall in Des Moines. And so I went to that autograph signing, and he had a David had a website set up at the time. He was planning on starting a, an independent company. Um, so I started talking to him through. Uh, he actually had a message board attached to the website. So if if any of your listeners remember when message boards were a thing, I was just um, I was just thinking the same thing. Uh, that's. <laughs> That harkens back to an old time of the internet, but yes. yeah, <laughs> yep. early, earlier, uh, internet days yeah, and before everything was just on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Before, before social media even existed, I guess. Yeah. Um, so then I, um, started talking to him and him and I ended up meeting in person, uh, you know, a handful of times, watched some wrestling together. Um, we got together for lunch uh, there was another guy that was talking to him at the same time and that guy's name, uh, is Steve Bealy. And so three of us decided just to go all in together and we started uh three X wrestling together. So, uh, we started planning, um, kind of what we wanted to do, where we wanted to do it and really start going to local ish shows around Iowa. There weren't a ton at the time. So, uh, you know, we would go uh, to what we could or search on the internet, um, about independent wrestlers in the Midwest, which also was kind of hard to find information on at the time as well. Um, Chicago had a big wrestling message board. So that's actually how I found, uh, several guys, um, like, Egotistico, Fantastico, uh, Robert oh, Anthony cool. is another name he wrestles under, and uh, Tony Scarpone, and some of those early people you saw on 3XW shows, Bryce Benjamin, etc. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we started kind of created what we wanted to do for those first couple shows with Iowa and other Midwest talent, um, and we had our first event at Hoover High School in Des Moines, and of course... Uh, like most early stage wrestling promoters do, overbooked it, had nine matches, went way too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's just one of those things, though, I bet. Like, as a promoter, you you always probably run a little bit of an internal battle as far as if you're going to, to book a show. I mean, it's it's probably not different than any of the people that listen to music that that do this they want to promote a show i mean it's it's awesome when you stack six bands on a show but who wants to stand and watch six bands in a row you know and etc i get i get the gist you know if you put too many too much wrestling on a show is not always a good thing right yeah it's uh get the the crowd gets tired uh the reactions aren't as good people you know start to filter out a little bit um uh, often it'll be families you know will leave earlier so yeah, I think the toughest part about that would probably have to be, you know, for the whoever's main eventing the show is probably, you know, it's usually the biggest match of the night, and that's usually the one that gets, um, that sees most of the effects of a card going too long. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. You never want the main event to have uh, half empty chairs. Yeah, that that's definitely. Yeah, that'd definitely be a no-go. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of parallels between, like, your what you're doing and what uh, some people promoting music are doing. But uh, what year What year was this when you had your first show at Hoover? 
That was that was July twenty third, two thousand five. Um, the the date is ingrained in my brain. Um, <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, I was in a much different place in life. I had not met my wife yet. I uh, had no children. Um, you know, I lived still in my hometown. So you know, it was it was a much different world for me then. And we had uh, Billy Gunn. I booked coming in. Uh, it was just uh, a few months after he was he released from WWE. So at the time, it was a pretty big deal. Uh, we were very excited to have him, and he uh, did a great job. He's a he's a giant man. Uh, he was much larger than I was anticipating. Yeah. So it yeah. Was, I was taken aback when I when I met him in person. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, that you had said that like you'd you'd signed Billy Gunn not too much longer after he got released from WWE, and that was when I first started going to wrestling shows. I, I mean, this this is gonna sound so ludicrous. I went like completely oblivious to the fact that, um, I mean, more than on an occasion you would rub shoulders with somebody that was on TV that was slightly famous. Um, sometimes you'd run into guys and you'd be like. This guy's a little bit shorter than I imagined, but he could still he's still just so jacked he could destroy me. But Billy Gunn is <laughs> Billy Gunn's not that way. Billy Gunn is I mean, there's a picture of me somewhere on the internet with Billy Gunn and I'm I'm barely over his shoulders. Like yeah. it's it's wild. A shockingly large man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing about you know, you watch WWE on TV and you see all those wrestlers and everybody's relatively ish the same size. You know, they're they're just about I mean, back in the day when you and I were watching, everyone was like six foot ish or taller and you know, and like three hundred ish pounds or so. You know? Right. <clears throat> Nowadays it's not like that, you know. I mean, you would know more than anybody would, I bet. But uh, oh, for sure. And you would see some guy on, you know, WWE or WF, WWF TV back then, and you'd think, "Well, that guy's actually a little bit smaller." And then you would meet that person in person, and you'd be like, "Nope, nope, that's still a huge human." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the fun ones is to think of the small guys, and then you go stand next to him, and like. You think, oh, Xbox tiny, and then you stand next to him, right. and it's like, oh, he's a regular sized human. Like he's yeah. bigger than me still. Like it's it's wild to think about that kind of stuff, you know. Tiny um, for '90s wrestling, but now he's he would be one of the bigger guys on a, a show. Yeah, yeah. I bet that's okay. So let me ask you this: um, You've been booking shows for long enough. I mean, if I had to do the math in my head, it's 15 years now. Um, yeah. Um, so like you've probably seen some sort of like i don't want to say fads come and go but uh the wrestling scene as like a culture has definitely changed over time um as we've aforementioned like over 30 years or so it used to be big burly guys that couldn't do much as far as right. air, uh, aerial stuff and now it seems to be a lot of guys that are very uh tactical and proficient and uh aerial dynamic you know the people that can do sorts of you know the flippy flops and all that good stuff but um, you know, what are some of the things you've noticed as far as, uh, just promoting? Yeah, there's been a, a lot of changes, you know, the early days of me being involved, you know, there was a lot more, uh, emphasis, you know, as far as the promoting end on, you know, getting flyers out, you know, physical flyers out, you know, trying to get, actual television commercials on air, uh, possibly radio, 
you know, social media really wasn't a thing yet. I got you know, to stop you for just a second yeah. and say, I saw one of your TV commercials when I was uh, like a senior-ish in high school and I was in Des Moines at somebody's house watching TV. Oh, nice. That, that would have been like 2006 or seven. I would have been, you know, yeah. right around when I graduated, I remember seeing it. So like, dude, I remember your, seeing your TV commercials. So they did <laughs> they did exist and I remember them. So they, did, they were effective. Awesome. Yeah, they, you know, that was another thing that was, you know, a little more difficult at the time too, actually getting a commercial made because, you know, not everyone had a supercomputer in their, their pocket, you know, not, not, you know, the smartphone didn't exist. So just finding someone with a computer that had software with editing capabilities on video, because those files, you know, they're still massive, but at the time, you know, computers just didn't have as much, you know, storage memory power. So uh, you know, even getting that stuff, you know, produced or someone with a, a decent video camera uh, for shows. <laughs> Dude, okay. So this is no different than a musician trying to find somewhere where they can record stuff. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, like back in the day, it was it was nearly impossible. There was no way to do it. And now, like you said, you can damn near record an album on a phone and, and get away with it. You know, it's pretty wild. I mean, nobody would ever do that, but... You know, right. it's, it's still a thing. You could do it in your bedroom, and it's perfectly fine and understandable. Yeah, yeah, and you can record 1080p video on your phone now. So, yeah, at, at the time we were using high eight tapes. You know, <laughs> so it was very different. And we would, you know, get those edited to make a, a commercial. You know, you'd have to get all the right connectors, connect your computer, and. Um, we started to produce DVDs pretty early on too, um, which is totally not a thing anymore either. I mean, people still make them, but there was a, a good chunk of time where we were selling a lot of DVDs, uh, both on the internet and at shows, and it would pay for a good chunk of everyone booked just off of DVD sales. So uh, I definitely miss those days. That was a nice little uh, bonus, but you know, everything's going to streaming now. So that's a huge difference, uh, in comparison to then. And there's so the style of wrestling has changed also, you know, we had, you know, 2005 people were still, um, you know, it's actually kind of a lower period, I would say for wrestling on TV because, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the other companies had been bought out or closed, gone away. Yeah, so, the, yeah. The general landscape was uh, Vince McMahon pretty much just bought everyone yeah. out, bought everyone out, and dominated everyone. And then you were left with not there was no competition, no no competition, and no differences in style. So the the disenfranchised fans of you know the, the other companies or styles, you know, kind of were still like, why doesn't my stuff still exist? And they just weren't watching wrestling anymore. So we got a lot of people that would come up and tell me, you know, I'm not watching it on TV, but I love this. It reminds me of what I used to watch uh, because, you know, it's kind of more of a, I would call it an older school style. Uh, we tried to present um, characters and a lot of storyline promos and stuff so people would understand what was going on on the shows. Mm-hmm. So now in comparison to today... You know, this the style is what's really seems to be selling to people as far as, you know, buying tickets and they want to watch stuff, you know, via live feeds on the internet is a lot of 
you know, high spots, acrobatics, hard hitting. It's kind of a mishmash of styles. I would say there's a lot less storytelling in the ring, which I know will probably piss off some wrestlers if they ever hear this, but that's fine. Um, no, man, I, I, and I totally get it. I, I, I think one of the things that drew me into wrestling initially was, and this is going to sound weird. Like I grew up and I knew Hulk Hogan existed. I knew that was all a thing, but I, I never had cable growing up. I never had the ability to watch any pro wrestling of any sort. Um, right. On, on Sundays or Saturdays, I would occasionally catch, um, it was WWF at the time had Sunday morning superstars. And, uh, uh, there was Saturday show was called like live wire or something. And it was their like little compilation show where they told, like, oh, okay. this is what happened during the week. And, uh, I mean, they could, they would use any sort of like video capabilities they had and they would cut everything down and take all the, the, the best parts of the matches and com recommentate everything and, and show you all the best spots. And then that would, you know, they were like, oh, this storyline would have all these vignettes and promos leading up to it. And then they would show you the highlights of what was going on, leading you into a pay-per-view and things like that. So I was always very intrigued by the, uh, I don't want to say character-driven, but just having some sort of a storyline to lean on a little bit. Uh, maybe even going from week to week, it was, or, you know, in, in indie show cases, like a month to month usually, but... I always felt that having that kind of storyline to lean on was a little bit better um, as far as just being easier to digest than just uh, seeing like a physical display of of um, athleticism, you know, which which is not something I, I don't like because, I mean, growing up, my favorite wrestler was probably Shawn Michaels. Um, I mean, as as most people close to my age, that would probably be a popular one for most people because he was the guy that did, you know, some of the higher flying stuff in WWF at the time. So, right. But, uh, you know, I, I totally get what you're saying. It's the style has totally changed. Um, uh, right now, from what I guess, I don't watch nearly as much wrestling as I used to, but it's a lot of, uh, like you said, it's a lot of high spots, which are which to people that are listening that don't know what high spots are, it's like a, you know, a big flip or something that's going to take a lot of the awe of the crowd away from anything else that's going on. Um, it's it's something that you know makes everybody stand up, and go whoa, you know, it's those are the high spots, you know, jumping through the ropes and and things like that. But other than that, it's hey, like that's it's funny you just said something that they always forget about. What's that? that I just, you just said something that I always forget about when I'm talking about wrestling is this whole other uh, lingo that we have that we yeah and I'm just throwing out words that people may not even understand. <laughs> no, no, it's totally cool because I, I mean, I use them when I'm talking to people um, as well. Sometimes I will use like uh, you know heel and face. I will use those and things like that. Um, but the lingo is something I've always. I mean, I'm. I've always been intrigued by it. And it used to be something back in the, you know, back in the day, it was something that was more kept hush hush. And nowadays it's something that's bantered about a little bit more on the internet and, uh, and elsewhere. But, you know, I've even heard people use kayfabe, um, you know, in public. So it's kind of one of those oh, weird, yeah. weird things where you start to see your guys's lingo, uh, kind of come out a little bit. 
starting to spread yeah like a filthy disease (laughs) dude you know and that's that was another one of the things that I, i would have to say like drew me initially to wrestling shows where like i would go to your shows um and as far as like storyline the first show i went to was probably the best show you could go to and it was uh the king of des moines tournament and okay. uh, so it was the one night tournament you brought in a bunch of wrestlers and uh they all had a one night tournament to see who could be the king of des moines and it was it was nice because that took up the majority of the show there wasn't much right. room for anything else so there was no storyline um really being pushed by anything um all you had really was the the tournament to lean on so i went into this thing dry just watching wrestlers wrestle and you got tiny bits of storylines sprinkled in and out here like this guy's got a manager and the manager's kind of kind of mean or whatever you know and like why is this right why is this manager okay this guy's definitely a bad guy you know and then so the next month you have something to go in on because it's like well this guy was bad last month he's probably gonna be bad this month or whatever you know right that's something that um there's a guy that wrestled with us from the very start and I, you know, I try to pick up knowledge from, you know, anybody that I can as I've gone through this. And, uh, so he, he wrestled as gauge octane and something he told me, uh, pretty early on was, you know, typically you're going to have some regulars that come back, you know, show after show and you do want to do stuff to, you know, keep them interested in coming back. But he, you know, he told me, you should always count on a good chunk of your crowd coming in, knowing nothing about your show, knowing nothing about the wrestlers or their characters. So the simpler you can keep it, the easier it is to understand. So then they're not, you know, stuck thinking what is going on in this convoluted storyline, um, which I know I've, I've strayed from simple at times, but he's hundred percent right because if you can keep a continuous story and still try to keep it somewhat simple and explainable to someone coming in fresh, then you've got a new fan because, you know, if they can understand what's going on and they can get into it right away, you know, then they can get excited about it and they can understand, okay, this guy's evil. This guy's out to do this. You know, he Mm -hmm. wants that belt, whatever, um, that sort of thing. So that, that has always helped me listening to, the guys on the roster also just taking you know their tidbits of what works of course with everything and i'm sure music is somewhat similar uh a lot of people are out for themselves too so you kind of got to know who to trust and who to listen to (laughs) yeah yeah um you know and i like i like that uh that gauge octane uh came up in this conversation he was one of the first people i remember watching wrestle um, and he he had wrestled with you uh, for quite a while at, at that time, long enough that the regular people at the shows knew who he was. Right. And, and uh, you know, even though uh, he was a bad guy, he still had some fans that were just such a fan of his work uh, that they they tried to cheer for him anyways. And usually they got over overshadowed by all the people booing him. <laughs> but it was you know it's he was one of those guys that would. Uh, do the simplest things to make people mad uh didn't go over the top and go crazy and um you know so that that just goes to show you know it doesn't always take something over the top and ludicrous to make people uh not like you uh, as as far as you know coming out there and, and being a, a wrestler it, it's i always i always thought that would probably be the the most difficult thing in wrestling would be to i mean 
to go from being a bad, you know, to being a, okay, let's go from heel to baby face. So you're a bad guy to a good guy. You know, you're, the fans don't like you to now they like you. Oh, right. Um, I mean, there is, um, I don't, I don't know how, how deep you want to go into this, but there is like a, like a performance aspect to this in some, in some sense that, uh, but, uh, you know, you know, I don't know. It's I was just figured that would probably be the most difficult thing to do. What what do you? Do? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I think the general consensus is, you know, with a lot of the guys, they um, generally enjoy being a heel more. I think for the most part, and a lot of them find being a babyface or good guy uh, much more difficult um, because you know going out there and trying to get people to cheer for you while also not being able to, you know, do certain things. Um, you know, you have to really, as a, as a good baby face, you have to uphold the rules at all times. You have to be smiling. You have to basically like you're running for president, you know, you're, you're kissing babies, high-fiving everybody. And to get people behind you to support you, to actually clap their hands or yell in support of you, can be a super difficult thing, especially if for whatever reason the crowd that night is all new or, you know, they're, you know, used to booing you for the last two years and now suddenly they have to support you or you want them to support you. Mm-hmm. It is hard. Um, and I, you know, to be a heel, uh, for me anyway, as you know, during the shows playing a, a heel manager character for, uh, you know, a good chunk of when we've done shows, um, has so much fun, you know, it's a great release getting to yell at someone or, you know, just get on the microphone and just be a complete asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. You can to a degree say whatever you want, um, you know, and then just claim that you're playing a character and it, it's to go from that to being, a, you know, you don't have to be goody two shoes, I guess, but um, in a sense, you do. So, yeah, I, I think that is super hard, and I think that's when you see the really ta- talented people, um, you know, shine, and you really see what skills they have. Because if they can make that transition, you, they can do anything, probably. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I uh, I remember you 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 were there. Blah, blah. You had mentioned you were a manager. And uh, I remember when I first started watching wrestling um, at, at 3X shows down in Des Moines, you were managing um, a group called Genesis. And uh, if I recall correctly, the whole gist with the... No, was it? No, it was... Uh, yeah, it was Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. So your whole deal was uh, that was most of the guys that had been in the company since somewhere around when it started were in Genesis. Do I, am I getting this correct? That's right. Yeah. 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 I had been managing previous to that, um, Gage Octane and Mark Sterling. Um, they were called the gentlemen's club Oh yeah. and we were kind of causing havoc. And what ended up happening was, um, we turned on Sterling at some point and I brought in, Casanova and Devin Carter to the gentlemen's club. And so then slowly that evolved into the larger, uh, Genesis group. Yeah. And the whole, the whole gist of it really was, it was kind of a, a reset of the company, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, uh, a way to create new storylines and new interests. And then it was also an opportunity for me to bring back some guys on the roster that had been missing for a while. Yeah. 
And so that, you know, they might not have been there for a year or two or three maybe. And so it was a, a good opportunity. I think at that time is when like, um, I know Maddie Starr, Tony Sly, um, Ben Saylor, Nate Bash, all those guys were mixed into Genesis at one point. It was, it was, became a little ridiculous because I think it ended up being like the original NWO where we had like 12 members, but, um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, and I, I think fondly of all of those guys cause yeah, they, they were there at the beginning. So, you know, I've got good memories of all those guys helping us from the very start and traveling around to different shows we did in different towns and, uh, to get to be a, a heel manager with a lot of them, uh, was, uh, very, very fun. Yeah. I, uh, you know, heck I can only, I can only imagine. I always, I always wanted to do something involved with pro wrestling, but I always, you know, every time I was around it, it always seemed a little too, I don't want to say intimidating, but it was, it was more involved than I, you know, just generally wanted to be. It's not just a weekend gig, you know, um, a lot of these guys, right. are, you know, busting their ass, uh, during the week to get in some sort of physical condition to be able to wrestle, you know, and, and not only that, but, you know, uh, even as rudimentary as it might seem and you watch it on TV and you're like, well, anybody can do that, you know, but then you, I'd like to just go see it live once and then just be like, ah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that. And then, you know, especially to like get in a car or get on an airplane and fly in or drive in, uh, and then to do this fly out or drive out or, you know, none of it's, it all, it's all, it's a lot of work. You know, there's a lot of, um, things involved with that. Like you said, you know, going to and from shows with a lot of those guys that were, you know, with you in Genesis or you'd, you'd have a road show and you'd go somewhere else, some other town all around Iowa. I mean, I I remember seeing you, um, do uh, other work for other companies here and there. I mean, even down in like Kansas city and stuff like that. Um, I'm sure you're no stranger to going to shows in other towns, you know, places, right. places like Chicago and Minneapolis and, and Omaha, uh, quad cities area, you know, there's, there's wrestling all over the place, but I mean, that is one of the things that I think a lot of people, uh, don't seem to think too much about is how much traveling is actually involved, even with, uh, you guys on uh, like a semi local level. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy, um, amount of time to invest, you know, for someone that wants to get involved and, you know, actually take it, I guess, somewhat seriously where you want to, you know, go to the degree of, you know, trying to get better and work for a bunch of different companies. And, you know, I started to referee, uh, I just did it on a handful of our shows, like in 2006, um, and then would kind of do it sporadically. And then, um, there was a company in like Kansas, Missouri area called central States wrestling. Oh yeah. And there's, uh, some guys on our roster that you know, worked there, Jeremy Wyatt, Mark Sterling, um, Derek Stone, uh, Craig Kieseman, um, all those guys. And so they kind of put in the word for me and I started to referee there and eventually, um, they, they stopped running shows. Metro pro opened, um, running basically the same type of areas, but in Missouri and Kansas a little bit. Mm -hmm. And some of those same guys were working for Metro pro. And so I started referee for Metro pro from the beginning. Um, and it is a, it's a huge time investment. So those shows would be, you know, once a month or typically for Metro pro. And then 
Chris from Metro Pro was involved with NWL in Kansas City. So I got to um, have the opportunity to start working there, and it was every other Saturday. So, you know, of course, this is all many years later. Um, NWL was just uh, two or three years ago. But, you know, that is a huge time commitment, you know, um, traveling down to Kansas City every other Saturday in itself, in addition to promoting our shows um, and whatever else. I had going on. I also started to referee for the wrestling revolver during that time frame, also. Um, oh, wow. cause I apparently didn't think I was busy enough <laughs> and, uh, but it was, it was awesome. Um, you know, the, the, the bonds that you make with guys as you travel, and I'm sure it's the same in music. Um, it's really cool because who else are you spending hours upon hours in a car with doing ridiculous things, seeing things, you know, out in the world that you would never see at these weird gas stop restaurants, random places that you stop. Um, so it's, it makes for an interesting life. And I guess as I've gotten older, I've tried to cut back on that a little bit now that I've got kids. Um, so I ended up, um, kind of pulling back on referee duties and then probably just doing promoting right now, I guess. But, uh, the, the whole thing with the time, these guys that wrestle, I don't think people realize that on our shows, you know, not all these guys live in Des Moines. It's not like they're going out for, you know, their weekend softball league. These guys are traveling, uh, from Minnesota, Nebraska, Missouri, Kansas, Illinois, you know, other guys might be coming from either in further away, maybe Texas or, um, you know, far North Michigan, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. We've had talent flying from all over the country. That's workers that my, they're always surprised that these guys are coming from, you know, all these various spots. Um, and that these guys do this, you know, two, three, four days a week when possible. And, you know, some of them are doing it full time as an actual job. And I think it just blows their mind that that's actually a thing. Yeah. So and that's that's something as a promoter I've always tried to do, too, is I don't want to have, you know, a roster of just and and no offense to anyone that does this, but I don't want to have a roster of just guys that live in Iowa. I love Iowa. I love guys that live in Iowa and wrestle, um, but I don't want just that i want different flavors coming in i want different talent that people don't see on every single show in iowa so i like to mix it up with people from all over and try to get a different mix because it creates different matchups more exciting stuff and they're seeing different talent so it gives fans an opportunity to see something new and different so yeah it's 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 something unique that the average person that's not a fan doesn't realize i don't think yeah definitely and i mean that was one of the things i realized when i started going to your shows i i kind of you know surveyed the lay of the land i started to figure out that some of these guys actually traveled here from other places and and then i started to figure out that uh you know some of the people were local but at the same rate you know it was you had genesis there and they were kind of this like giant group of people that nobody could permeate you know nobody could take the titles from you guys nobody could defeat anybody because there's always just too many of you and and you would bring in different wrestlers from different areas every now and then to come in and test their luck against them and stuff like that and sometimes the guys would 
you know, start a beef with somebody and they'd stick around for a few months and, and wrestle for a while. And, you know, it was, that was one of the times I started to realize like, man, there are a lot of wrestlers out there. And I started looking a little bit, you know, deeper into it. And I mean, I'm sure, you know, um, that I, you know, I spent a little bit of time doing the indie power rankings with, with some other guys from across the U S from across the U S and, uh, you know, there was a guy from, you know, Africa in there, and there was a guy from the Middle East in there as well. I mean, there was people from the UK all over the place, Canada. It was pretty wild. But uh, I got to see, like, you'd get to see the perspective that other people had from their region. And, you know, I'd see, oh, this guy wrestled these matches, and then you'd go look up the results from other companies. You'd be like, oh, he wrestled twice this weekend. That's pretty cool. And then you'd go look at somewhere else and well, this guy wrestled three times this weekend. That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty wild. And I mean, occasionally you'd run across somebody that it's like this guy wrestled six times in a week. How did he even pull that off? You know, is that even right. is that even possible? But I mean, I do recall seeing a couple times, even in the Midwest, where people would wrestle twice in an evening, which yeah. was which was super rare because it, it you know you'd have to plan plan it out to have two matches on the same night. You know, two companies running competing shows within driving distance. But uh, yeah, and then try to get the uh, promoters to agree to <laughs> exact, let you do that. Exactly. Yeah, it it's a special circumstance, but it, it does happen, and that's the that's the passion some of these guys have for it. I mean, and that was not lost on me because I was every show that I had to go to to go watch a wrestling show. Like, I mean, Algona was close by. I could go see uh, the IPW, the company up there. But like, I mean, I was. Every time I came down to Des Moines, it was a two-hour one-way drive, and I'd be there every oh, yeah. every single month watching wrestling, you know, because you guys would, you were at the Forte Center there for a while, just packing that place to the brim. It was it was yes. in, absolute insanity at that place. Um, I mean, those were good days. Yeah, and I mean that was where, like, when I was talking, I mean, you'd you'd start bringing in guys from like St. Louis and and even farther away. I think I remember guys from coming from farther south than that, and it was Kansas City and and you know, Minneapolis and the Omaha area, it seemed like, uh, you know, you you really kind of opened my eyes to the fact that there were more wrestlers out there than just, you know, some Iowa guys that were out there. And it, it, you know, it helped me along with what I had at the time was just like a ludicrous runaway hobby of, uh, going to all these wrestling shows. Oh yeah. I, uh, you know, that was, what do you think? Uh, here's actually one. Did you ever get any training to do any sort of like refereeing work or was that something that you figured out on the fly from some sort of introspection from people that had already been trained? Yeah. A little, little a and little B on that. Um, I started to do, so we had, um, some initial training classes in the early years um, that were led by a guy that wrestled as Brian Ash. Oh yeah, and, yeah. I was trying yeah, to remember just, his name, and I couldn't remember Brian Ash. Large, large guy. Yes. Um, shaved head, intimidating looking fellow. Very and, intimidating. Uh, so, <laughs> so he, you know, he was training some guys. Um, like we had those early classes that included like Jimmy Rockwell, Zach Thompson. Um, Ricky Kwong, Aaron Masterson, uh, Mad Dog was in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but so I, I would go to a lot of these training sessions early on just to watch. And, you know, because to me it was fascinating. Uh, I had never, you know, been involved in anything like that, you know, previously. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, Brian was working with us on promoting um, a show or two down in the Ottumwa area. 
And so he was trying to put in batter oil. So then you know, he asked uh, Steve Bealy and I if we wanted to jump in. I was like, yes, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm insane. I, I want to. So we started doing a little in-ring training, just, you know, basic bumps, running the ropes, you know, just like anybody else starting out and um, also getting tossed over and through the ropes, all that fun stuff and ripped my leg open on the the top rope first time I went over. Um, oh, wow. oh, so that's that blood never hurt anybody, right? Yeah, that's also <laughs> something that like you it happens a lot in wrestling. Somebody gets tossed over the top rope. Yeah. You know, but it's always it's always been something that's just like that's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> no, it's it's not. Um definitely takes some um technique. I would almost it, I would almost venture to say it might even be easier to go over the top than through the ropes. It is. I I would agree with that. Um, to go through, I think is more difficult. You gotta, you know, kind of place your limbs perfectly going through, yes. uh, over the top, um, still take some skill and actually Brian, um, the guy I was talking about there, he, he would, uh, he trained with Harley race. Whoa. And so when he would do his over the top, a lot of times he would do the Harley backwards over the top to the floor, which oh. I was like, wow. That is, to me, that's insane. That's but crazy. I, he, he always did it, and he did it very well. Um, so, but uh, to get back to your question, uh, so I did that uh, sort of training, and then the first time I refereed, it was really we needed a referee, <laughs> and <laughs> so I just jumped in there. Uh, I happened to have a couple referee shirts that my dad had found at an auction. Um, a while before that in case I ever needed them. And so then I, I used that shirt that night <laughs> and then some of the guys, Craig Kiesman actually, um, he helped me a lot with the, the referee skills, uh, because when he first started out, he learned how to do that. And so he taught me, you know, exactly, you know, kind of what to do and what not to do. And then of course, with anything in wrestling, you learn a lot more as you go through it. So, of course, the more matches you're involved in, um, in different situations, you learn. So, a little bit of uh, wrestler type training, and then learning from guys as I went, and um, it's a hell of a lot of fun. I will say that refereeing is the best seat in the house you can have for any match. And I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of. Uh, very cool local guys that I know personally, and then also a lot of guys um, that I've watched on TV, you know, like Hacksaw and yep. um, John Morrison as a more recent guy. Yeah. So, you know, and the thing about, you know, working with guys from all over, for the most part, um, you know, I was. 90% of them are super cool. You do run into some guys that aren't. Maybe they're having a bad day, whatever. But And I'm sure it's the same way, like in your line yeah. you know, of music, too. You're, most people are probably super cool. So Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I love that about pro wrestling. Like, uh, I used to go to shows and and think, like, man, these guys don't want don't to hear anything I have to say. But at the same rate, you'd go talk to some of them. And it's like, these guys are just as down to earth as anybody else. They're real human beings, just like everybody, mm -hmm. you know? And then, you know, there's, like you said, there's some guys that don't want to talk to you. They don't want to have anything to do with you. But at the same right. rate, at the same rate, that could just be, you know, that's, 
people are just built different. You know, I don't always want to talk with people when I'm at shows. I'm just a little, I mean, I'm, I am a little bit antisocial at shows. I just don't, right. I don't talk too much. I don't know what to say when people are like, great job. And you're just like, yeah, okay. I, I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, what do I do? Right. With, what do I do with my hands right now? I'm, right. I'm, I'm one of those kind of people. And maybe that's, you know, maybe some wrestlers are no different. They don't, you know, don't want to talk to people. They went out there and did their thing and that's the, that's what they got. That's why they came here and that's what they're doing, what they're doing. So I never yeah. held it too much against people when they weren't nice. But like you said, I couldn't believe even dudes that were on TV, uh, wrestling for many years, you'd run into them and just be like, this guy is the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's almost shocking. Yeah. I'd like to point it like hacksaw would be the easiest one to point at. Cause he's, he's come and gone through Iowa a lot. Um, yes. I mean, uh, I think he likes it here. You know, it's, it's one of those deals. I, I, I didn't spend like a whole lot of time like hanging out with him, but I, I did spend some time with him here and there when he was in Iowa and super nice guy. I mean, he always had good things to say. Um, Oh, the, the nicest guy loves to hang out with the boys and he's, he has no aura of being too good for anyone. Like he will, he will sit there and have a beverage and hang out all night long. Yeah. He's the, the, the coolest guy. Yeah. I mean, that's, he'd be probably one of the people I remember talking to that. It was just like, this guy's super nice. But, uh, um, Larry Hennig would be another one. I have a, that'd be Mr. Perfect's father. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I sat and talked with him at a show and didn't even realize it was him. And I oh, mean, awesome. And I sat and talked with him for like 15 minutes and we were just talking about wrestling and it's like, oh yeah, you know, like weather's pretty crazy. Yeah. Okay. Blah, blah, this, that, and the other, you know, we're just talking. And then, uh, I think I've told this story before, but, uh, somebody, you know, was like, what are you doing talking to Larry Hennig? I'm like, what? Oh, <laughs> I didn't even realize that was him. You know, I didn't even cross my mind that there's, you know, a famous person here, but right. you know, I mean, that's the other thing. Like you could go to shows and sometimes people that have been on TV will be, you know, in the crowd at shows like, uh, right. Evan, I remember Evan Bourne going to shows, um, three yeah. X shows. I've seen him at shows before. I think there's even a picture of me on Facebook lurking around with him um, oh, yeah. at a show. So yeah, he came to just watch his brother and he hung out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite things about wrestling shows is you just never know who's going to be there. And there's an oddly larger sense of community involved with the local wrestling shows than I ever imagined there would be. I mean, from online involvement to going to the shows to hanging out to, I mean, I mean, I became Facebook friends and Twitter followers, et cetera, with so many people that I never imagined I ever would be, you know, it's uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's like its own kind of unique community, I guess, because you know you've got uh, wrestlers, promoters, fans, referees, ring announcers, what have you, everyone involved, and they kind of, you know, they all interact with each other at shows, and then you know, of course, you see it on social media. They just give each other a hard time and joke around, and um, you know, a lot of them get together outside of shows and. It's pretty cool to see, you know, people, you know, become friends or almost like a, a second family. And I've, you know, I've thought about this before. It's like since I've started this, you know, seeing people come and go over the years, and I've seen, you know, it's like several people, couples that have met through wrestling that, you know, are now maybe having kids or buying a house. And I'm like, not to say that I'm the reason, but I'm like. 
it's kind of cool to think, I don't know if they would have ever met if I hadn't started this little wrestling company with David and Steve. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that sort of thing happen over the course of, you know, 15 years and what I would call different generations of wrestlers um, come into the business and other ones sort of step away or quote unquote retire, if, if that's actually a thing in thing wrestling. Yeah, yeah, the whole, uh, I'm going to retire, no, I'm not going to, here's my comeback match, and my third comeback, and yeah. it, it's no I'm different. Coming, coming back, and it's no different one than, year later. <laughs> no different than Kiss, you know. <laughs> right. Our final, final, last final tour. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you were, uh, you're talking about, like, having different, uh, almost generations of wrestlers, you know, you have, like, this group of guys, and now you've got a fresh batch of guys. Um, I mean, even if I went to a show, a handful of, you know, there's only a handful of the guys that i watched wrestle almost 10 years ago that still wrestle on the regular um i mean there's uh, obviously some of them still do just not for your company uh particularly right. but is that something you run into is uh like an issue with longevity uh with like people that are wrestling uh, my my way of making an example of that was like imagine you're a, a music promoter and you've got handful of bands that you know um are have a lot of longevity they've always been a band it's the same guys they all like each other but then you have some bands that are like these these bands haul ass but sometimes they have differences and can't make shows because of right. line, lineup changes or something so that'd be like my way to liken it to something where I, that i run into but do you ever run into anything like that with wrestlers you know i would say like um there's there's certain instances where maybe a guy you know, we, we had several guys that had been with us from the very start and then, you know, kind of as they got older and either, you know, started a family or maybe they just had too many injuries, you know, where they were hurting a lot or they were getting married, whatever. And I decided to step away either at the time and came back later or, you know, stayed out. And so the, those situations, like a lot of those guys that were there from the beginning, um, you know, when they decided to you know, kind of step away. Those ones really were the ones that, uh, kind of, um, I felt sad about almost like I, oh, I'm like, kind of like, you know, you're losing that person that you're going to see, you know, kind of consistently at every show, like a Devin Carter or Gage Octane, Brian Ash, um, yeah. Jimmy Rockwell, those guys, you know, those friendships that you've built over the years. Uh, all I have to say Tony Sly, cause he'll probably listen to this, so <laughs> throw his name in there too. Um, and then you have other guys that, like you said, you know, that like maybe they show up late or they're, you know, not as reliable or even though they're really good at what they do. Um, you know, in those, those type of situations, um, usually I try to nip those in the bud pretty early on, you know, when it starts happening or whatever, I'll just stop booking them. Um, I, I don't wait for them to walk away. I'll just, you know, kind of clean it up uh, on my own. And I, I've tried to over the years always have, a roster slash locker room of people, one that I liked, two that were reliable, and three good in what they do. Um, you know, I don't want any, um, you know, assholes in the locker room that are either uh, maybe they're super nice to me because honestly, <laughs> they want to be booked, so they're all nice to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, but I'll everybody talks so i'll hear stories or if i hear of other situations uh, going on whether it's something you know shady um 
outside the ring, whatever. You know, I just don't, I don't want any of that around. I don't want any, you know, bad uh, mojo. I don't want any bad press coming at us. I don't want any thing out there that could potentially, um, you know, happen badly for any of our fans either. So I would just, I want to protect our locker room, all the people that attend our shows. I want a good environment for everybody to work in, you know, so. So that's why I hate like those when those the the good people that decide to walk away. That that is awesome for them, but it sucks for our shows because it's great to have consistently good people around. Yeah, I, you know, and that was actually something. I'm not. I don't want to you know derail the conversation here that we had, but I was actually thinking to myself the other day how difficult. Okay, so imagine you have a job wherever you're at and your boss, right? And your boss, if you work for like a small business, he owns the place and runs the place. And he's got a, like his job is to make sure the machine is well oiled and everything's working. And that's not an easy job. I don't care what your job is and, and how, whatever your politics are at work, your boss's job is not easy. Um, and at this job, you're the boss and this is not like a regular job job that people have you know so i always thought that creating the right environment in a situation like that would be very difficult um you know is is it really what do, what do you think is it is it really that much different than a regular job job or do you think uh i think it's a lot the it same. is i i think well i think very different because uh and you know you might run into some of this at a regular you know office or you know factory but in wrestling in particular, I think it's unique because of the entertainment aspect. And even though we're independent wrestling and we're not necessarily, you know, on um, TV every week, the egos involved make it different because everybody, um, for the most part, always wants to have you know, their character at the top spot or meaning, and I'm using wrestling lingo again, uh, meaning, you know, to be the champion or to be in a featured position and just the way the, the shows, um, ebb and flow, you know, that person, not everyone can be there. So, you know, you, you have to have guys kind of move up and down the card to keep things interesting and be able to generate new stories and new feuds and, different matchups. So in that aspect, that makes wrestling unique because you're, you're dealing with the egos of, you know, grown men. And I've often, uh, made the, uh, equivalent that it's like babysitting, um, adults, if that makes sense, because you, you do feel like sometimes when they're coming to you, you know, just complaining about things, that may be, okay, if this were a regular <laughs> nine to five, I would not have someone whining to me about this particular thing. But, you know, for the most part, people are super cool. And I don't want to make it sound like everybody is a, a whiny child involved in wrestling because that's not the case at all. No, no, but no. But, that, but that's, that's just one an of those, easy way to explain it. Yeah, but that's one of those situations, like I was saying, if you have a... if. Your boss's job is not easy. Think about how many times anybody, I mean, any of the listeners that are listening, like how many times have you gone to your boss with like a concern you have with your workplace, you know, 
and how right. how valid is the concern always because sometimes like i'm i know i've done it where i've like went up to my boss and like here's a thing and they're like okay and then it irons itself out and it goes away you know and it's right it it was never something like i didn't even really have to bring it up it, it was more or less like time wasting than anything but you yeah. know th- i'm sure there's some of that that is like the equivalent of kind of what you're talking to where someone uh, I mean, I'll just bring up something dumb, like, oh, I don't have wrist tape, or this guy took all my wrist tape, you know, just something stupid oh, sure. like that, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever it happens to be, not to throw the wrist tape joke out there, that's, <laughs> right. that's a rough one, but uh, <laughs> the, look look it up, people, no. Uh, hey, that weekend worked out well for me, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. We that, were the first show of the weekend, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, God, that was so rough. Uh, yeah, and that was one of those other things where you start to realize that there's a um, this is a weird thing. So like there was a, an event that happened that involved um, this inside joke that we're talking about wrist tape. Where um, long story short, one company ended up on the short end of a stick when it involved uh, hiring a talent, and that was one of those things where like the whole entire wrestling community around like in mass came together to attempt to rectify the situation the best they could um yeah you know that was what was kind of really cool about that whole thing is as as that weekend progressed and you know there was an so we had it was basically what we would call a triple shot in wrestling um a friday show a saturday show and a sunday show with three different companies booking um these these same uh folks friday show went off without a hitch There was an incident on the Saturday show where one guy seemingly looked like he was purposely trying to hurt a guy. And then an incident on the Sunday show where um, the gist of the whole thing is basically they were holding up the promoter for more money almost and said that they left their wrist tape in the car and just left the show and abandoned the promoter and everything they had agreed to do. So, um but to see the community of independent wrestling in the Midwest and I think across the country real at the time, cause the internet had kind of grown at that point. Yeah. Um, really support, um, you know, the promoters that kind of got the shaft and everybody really came together fans and, you know, people in wrestling and supported the companies that, you know, did not have a, a, a good experience and, really rallied against the guys that um you know did the shenanigans mm-hmm. so that, that's the cool thing about wrestling too is uh the people involved both wrestlers and fans they're very very outspoken and loyal so yes um i mean, never that's... really have to worry about not you know someone not having your back if if you know the situation is you know a terrible one like that yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the other thing you don't ever have to worry about is, you know, getting an honest opinion out of somebody. You just get on Twitter afterwards and check the hashtags, you know? <laughs> yeah, because people definitely will say things on the inter- internet that they would never say to you in person, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll definitely happen. I mean. It's it's like talking to someone that's been, you know, drinking in there four or five drinks in. You're, you're going to get the real story on the internet. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, and that was another thing was, like, I remember going to shows and realizing that there was, like, a Twitter community of indie wrestling that, like, you could get on and tweet about the shows and things like that, and other people would interact with you, and then after a while, you're like, oh, shit, this guy's at the shows every week, he's sitting right over there, and you're like, hey, I'm gonna go <laughs> say hi to him, you know, and you right. you go talk to some of these people, and that was, you know, one of those cool things where you're, 
I mean, you could even in your off time have some banter about something with somebody on Twitter that nobody else but, you know, you and your buddies know mm-hmm. about. And it's like, you know, oh, Gage Octane's totally going to destroy Casanova this weekend. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? You know, but like <laughs> you and me and everybody that's following us that's involved with this little wrestling thing knows what's up, you know. And, right. You know, those were some those were some of the funnest things I remember doing, you know, on as far as like wrestling has during the downtime because you would you would run shows usually about once a month um you know in the warmer seasons you might run twice a month three times a month fair season gets a little busy sometimes but uh you know it's it's one of those things i'd go to all these shows and there's there's downtime between the shows but you'd still get some interaction and and occasionally even the wrestlers themselves would would hop on their twitter accounts and and create some interaction between them and their fan base or them and their upcoming opponent you know and that's that was one of those fun things you get to see those guys. I know. tried to push those those guys really early on. I I guess I I kind of claim to be an early advocate of social media, which now in 2020 might have been a mistake. I should have just said kill the whole thing, but um, <laughs> I you know the the first one that was widely popular is MySpace. So I tried to get every single wrestler to open a MySpace page in there character name Mm -hmm. so that we could you know post pictures and um you know mention their page and we had a 3xw page and we would you know promote events on there and try to get all the guys to promote events so that was really my my goal was to get everyone to promote the the show via their following on myspace and then it I think I was, I, I don't know if this is actually true, but I, I think I was one of the first Iowa wrestling people on Facebook and started to push on there as much as possible. And then Twitter was after that and Instagram, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So really trying to get all those guys out there and involved. And also, like you just said, it. I think it really helps when they do interact, you know, with you know, people that are attending the shows because it gets them more interested. And we used to try to do, um, a lot of videos on YouTube, which were really based on kind of promoting their character or developing their character, I guess you could say, to try to get their personality to shine there outside of shows so that you could do a little more, um, showcasing of those people, which helped when we were training those, early classes, like I mentioned earlier, of Zach Thompson, Jimmy Rockwell. And, you know, we, because they were all the guys that were training for the most part were fairly local. So we could get a camera in front of them and do promos or little vignettes to try to promote whatever their character was and whatever matches they might have upcoming. So, yeah, I remember your YouTube channel used to be pretty busy with like little backstage promos and things like that, or, upcoming this week and and things like that would be going on i also remember your guys's facebook presence was was absolutely massive um i mean it's well polished everything was uh like all the um images were nice you know everything was done up pretty pretty good it was i mean if if i'm not mistaken um so like for example people would come in and wrestle on your show and sometimes they would wrestle um and they wouldn't have like a Facebook page or anything like that at all for anything. So you would just create one for them for your company. Cause so it's like, I mean, I'm just, yeah. throwing, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just make like gauge octane. Let's just say there's no, yeah. there's no gauge octane Facebook page, but there might even still be a gauge octane three XW Facebook page that had 
all of the Gage Octane 3XW stuff. Yeah, I tried to, I I really forced it down everyone's throat as much as possible that uh, was, you know, at least wrestling for us on a regular basis. Um, And probably some that were just occasionally wrestling for us. I really pushed it trying to get every single person to do. And so basically what I would do is I would pitch it to them, set it up, add them as a administrator on the page also. So they had access to posts if they wanted to as well. Uh, and kind of what I discovered is a lot of the guys that wrestled other places really <laughs> never posted for any of their other shows. Yeah. It was just me posting three XW stuff, which was totally fine by me. I'm, I was totally fine only promoting our stuff, but if they wanted to use it as a tool to promote their other, you know, matches or appearances, other places, uh, I was more than okay with it too. But so, yeah, I probably at one point in time had created at least 25 pages for guys just to try to further, you know, their fan base and also at the same time give a little rub ski to 3XW. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and that's one of those things I've, I've often thought, even, you know, in the music community, I felt like it'd be one of those things as far as having like that web presence. Some bands just simply don't have it. And I didn't know any way I could, I wanted to help out any way I could. And that was actually like how I started Audible Farm was I started recording bands live. And then with their permission, I would upload the live videos to, um, you know, my YouTube channel and then people could see them. And some bands use that as a way to send it out to other promoters and be like, Hey, check it out. I can play music, you know, or you send it to a venue and be like, Hey, can I book a show here? Yeah. Send me some material. And it's like, I don't have any, but I got this live video and they're like, well, this audio actually sounds pretty good. You know, come on in, you know? Right. And, and so if I think there is a little bit of a parallel between what, what you were doing and what, you know, what I'm kind of doing right now. And I think it's definitely a help if you have that little extra push, but you know, it's also, it's, it's, it's tough to get people to jump on the bandwagon that you're on, you know. I'm sure, right. sure you're no um, spring chicken to that one there. Oh, for sure. It's, and the technology is, you know, I don't know the percentage, but the great majority of people I know have a smartphone. So you've got it right there at your fingertips and you carry it everywhere. You know, why not use it? Um, so anyone that's not you know, promoting themselves that's in some sort of field of entertainment that, that blows my mind. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, I'll have wrestlers contact the three XW page looking for bookings, uh, today, you know, or, you know, in recent times and they don't have any match footage on YouTube or they, you know, don't have any pictures to send us or I'll get a message says, yo, book me. Uh, no dude, I don't know who you are. Maybe, Send me a resume at least. And, you know, at this point in time, you should have video either on your phone or on YouTube where you can send me a link. So, yeah, you know, fan cam footage, anything. Right. Anything is better than nothing. And and to be honest, I someone's that if I've never heard of them, they've really got to impress me to even watch a video. So they better have a really good message coming my way or they better be recommended by someone I already know because, the thing with promoting pro wrestling show is there are so many wrestlers that I already know of that I can sort of choose from to be on the show that if you want to earn a spot, you know, you've really got to make an impression. So people that don't promote themselves, it's baffling. 
Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it honestly really is. And that was, I mean, I started going to wrestling shows. Um, you know, it was it was about ten, maybe about ten years ago. I started going to wrestling shows, and I started seeing that like, oh, a lot of these guys have Twitter, so I you know follow them on Twitter, and then you see that like some of these guys aren't aren't using Twitter very much, and you know, I I. I hated to just give away the endings of shows, but I I would go on Twitter and I would post like, "Hey, this is uh this is what happened, you know, this person defeated this person," and I would tag the promotion yeah. and and hashtag the event, you know, and do anything I could to draw any sort yeah, of attention yeah. to it. And uh, you know, it actually garnished. I I remember you doing that, and that, I always I lo- I love seeing those. Yeah, uh, it it was weird. It garnished a lot of attention from a lot of people. Um, I started getting retweets from. Uh, your promotion. If I ventured to other promotions, other promotions started taking notice and being like, "Oh, this is that guy that's always at wrestling shows." And I mean, that's initially what got uh, the indie power rankings kind of started. Was it was a couple of guys from from Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, and they uh, <laughs> th- they hit me up and they were like, "Hey, we see that you're always at shows and you span like you know Minnesota to Missouri and you know Nebraska to Illinois and you'd see everything. What do you you want to get in on this? You know." And that was something I started doing and you know a lot of the wrestlers started taking to it and retweeting the the results and things you know at meaty thoughts on Twitter that was my that was my handle still is I don't use it very much but it still is my handle and uh you know a lot of those wrestlers still follow me it was kind of crazy because I didn't really divulge the information to too many people but like I started getting like occasional retweets for things from like the Vince McMahon account and the Triple H account retweeted me a couple of times. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I had um, uh, like just handfuls of wrestlers that either were training or had trained, and were just kind of like looking at the indie scene. Like Scotty Riggs followed me for quite a while, mm-hmm. and and who was the guy that trained down at NXT that um, ended up kind of upsetting everyone not too long ago? Bill Demott. Does that sound right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yep, yeah. He was yep. the the head trainer. Yep. Bill Demott followed me for a while. I mean, it was it was weird, and uh, I didn't know what to do with it. I wanted to make like a different account where I could expel all the wrestling stuff, but I didn't want to change the handle because everybody <laughs> already everybody already knew me as that weirdo handle guy, you know. And, right. You know, I was one of those weird super fans, but that's that's something at every show, like you said. Um, every, I think every show has one of those guys that goes out there and tries to publicize the events of the show. So, and and other promoters do take notice, and uh, people within the wrestling community do take notice because they will see those things. And um, I mean, I I'm sure you're just as curious as I am when you see stuff like that on Twitter. You're like, who defeated this guy? And you click on some of the stuff, and you're like, oh, this guy. And so there's a picture here, you know, and you start to kind of dig in a little bit because you're I'm sure you're just as curious as I am. Oh, for sure, yeah. You know. And I always want to see kind of what's, you know, currently going on or being booked other places. You know, that that's the nice thing about social media, I guess, is you can at least kind of stay in the loop of, you know, what. And I, I like to see what my, you know, people that I consider friends or um, people I've worked with are doing. So, I, you know, I try to follow along with you know anything that the minnesota guys are doing or the you know the kansas city guys and try to stay you know also current with you know like kind of like what we were talking about earlier what are the current styles or trends that are going on out there what's kind of you know getting a crowd to uh, come to a show you know you know for a while there it was like the joey ryan um 
thing seemed to be popular across the country. I mean, it still is, but yeah, uh, just to see what the new, you know, trend of the year month is. So to all that's that's the cool thing to all that Joey Ryan stuff. I I just got to say, Casanova was ahead of his time. You know, he really was. Um, you know, if <laughs> if he had done that gimmick in two thousand nineteen twenty. <laughs> I think it would have been huge. Yeah, man. I uh, the, one of the earliest pictures of me at a wrestling show that uh, Peyton Mitchell actually took the picture, and it's uh, it's me at ringside with a sign that says Casanova stole my girlfriend, and I'm I'm like laughing <laughs> the hardest I've ever laughed. And there's like a picture of Casanova. He comes out and he sees it, and he's just like, "What? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about." You know, and just like, keeps walking, <laughs> gives me the yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, but. Yeah, he would put his his hands behind his head and kind of just swivel his swivel hips his a little hips. bit. Yeah, just side to side. Just it was just, it was, it was <laughs> the perfect amount of cheese. It was it and was and awesome. just to describe him to everybody that hasn't seen him, he, Casanova kind of uh, usually would have some sort of mustache or beard and kind of longer dark hair and it's like Ron Burgundy meets John Belushi. Yeah, you know, not not the six pack guy, kind of a little bit thicker, chest hair. Yep, yep. Showing off his stuff. Yeah, yeah, dude. Those are so you know. I I think back to those a lot. Those are some of the like most fun times I had was just going to those shows and seeing those guys. And you know, at once a month you go see these guys and go see what they're up to and watch them kind of goof around in this. You know, as they're personas you know and interact with different people whether it be new fans old fans a new opponent you know whatever it was it was always fun to see that and uh i don't know if i've ever actually like said it to you but dude thank you so much for just giving me you know all of those smiles for all the years and giving me so much to enjoy oh thank you you know i i remember um when you guys you and your group of friends started coming to all those shows and seeing your guys's face at you know at every show, and then kind of as we started to travel around, I'd see you guys like in Grinnell or Atamwa, and um, I was always very happy to see you guys because, um, one, I knew that you must like what we do, and two, you guys uh, were not shy about cheering or booing and would always try to keep the crowd into the show. So <laughs> that's always very helpful because when you have no reactions... <laughs> Yes. It just makes everything just seem dead. So, yeah. I mean, believe it or not, that was something when I started going to shows, I started realizing that, and this is, this is such a touchy topic, but like the crowd has a responsibility at the shows. Um, I mean, some crowds tend to overstep their bounds, uh, but some promotions invite that overstepping of the bounds so it all depends on where you're at and what's going on it's kind of like it's no different than going to a comedy show some of them you have to sit and be quiet and never say anything other ones they invite you to heckle and stuff like that you know it's 100 kind of like that but you know i started going to shows and it was just like i don't want to be like it's it's weird when nobody's cheering or booing anyone you know if everybody comes in right if everybody comes in fresh and you're in grinnell and there's a whole fresh crowd and it's just a handful of regulars they don't know who to cheer for and who to boo for, you know, and it's, it's like, I know, right. I know when to cheer. Um, you know, you'd, it's so weird to say this, but you know, you'd, you'd start to see like, this is the spot where I need to be yelling at this guy for doing the stuff he's doing. Um, right. you know, and it, it not only helps everybody else in the crowd, but it helps 
the wrestlers, the referee. It helps everybody kind of get into the swing of things. And that was, um, I don't want to be like, I took this so seriously. That was my job. It's a show. No, but it was like, <laughs> it was one of those things when I was at shows, I was like, yeah, this is something I'm going to do for sure because it's, it's necessary to be done. Right. And, you know, I think it adds to the enjoyment for everybody. Like, you know, not only for the crowd, but, you know, for the the wrestlers themselves, when people are reacting, you know, whether it's booing or cheering, um, you know, it helps keep them going. I mean, like it, it literally energizes them and it makes for them to have more animated reactions and to do bigger, uh, you know, versions of their moves because they're amped up. Yeah. So it, it just helps the entire atmosphere. That's a hundred percent correct. I mean, you can go to a show and have two people wrestle at it, and if nobody's into it, they're they'll give it their all, but they're only going to give it their all as much as the crowd is giving it their all. You know, if the crowd, it's no different than, you know, you watch WrestleMania versus a Monday Night Raw. It's this, it's you know, at Mania, everyone's going absolutely ballistic, and that's what's causing these wrestlers to go out and do the extra crazy stuff. You know, right? And uh, it's not saying that if you cheer harder, wrestlers are going to do crazier things. Maybe, you know, maybe not, but it, right. you know, it's, it's one of those things that shows I, I never took too lightly to it. Cause I realized how damaging it was to have, you know, absolutely no sound. It'd be like telling a joke in a comedy store and, and nobody laughing ever, you know, <laughs> exactly. like, yep. it, it just doesn't make sense, you know, and it doesn't do the, any favors to the comedian trying to make people laugh, but it's, you know, it also harkens back to, um, you were describing earlier that, you know, if you're, um, trying to be a good guy and get people to cheer for you, that's not always easy either. So, you know, sometimes you throw them a little bit of a bone here and then everyone else is like, yeah, this guy's not so bad. You know, they start cheering right. him and then, you know, you can kick back a little bit and let the rest of the crowd take take it from there. But I mean, we, right. we used to do cheesy stuff like bring signs for people and things like that because why the hell not, you know? Exactly, um, yep. I don't know. I always just thought it was fun to get involved. I never wanted to get too involved and just be the guy that was stood up and screamed in people's faces and stuff like that. But, you know, like we were talking with, uh, with bad guys, sometimes they walk by and it's just like, you'd, you'd give them a jab as they'd walk by. You'd say something like, Oh, Hey, you're something, something, your face, you know, and they'd, they'd they'd turn and look at you and be like, Oh yeah. And then, you you know, you throw some fuel on the fire for the guy to, to really wind up and let you have one. And, uh, you know, not physically, but verbally usually, you know, and it was, those were some of the funnest times too, is being able to interact with the people while they were doing what they were doing. I mean, it wasn't all, you don't always have the opportunity to do it, but given the opportunity there's when you can, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's pictures of me online now, hem hawing with Devin Carter as he's walking around the ringside, you know, skating out of the ring, trying not to, (laughs) you know take one on the chin from somebody so he rolls out of the ring and i'm just like get back in there and he's you you shut up you know (laughs) um you know speaking of fan bases i do want to say like you know your halloween shows were always fun i remember you had a fan that dressed up as uh uh he dressed up as mini devin carter that was probably the most fun i remember you involved him in a match at one point in time yeah that that kid uh was awesome he (laughs) And he went all out. Um, yes. You know, he did uh, at one point in time. Uh, this one may have come first. I'm not 100% sure, but he did a mini uh, Casanova also. Yep, yep. the mini um, Casanova, I think, was the year but prior. His, 
his Devin Carter was spot on. And then he, I think he kept wearing the Devin Carter to multiple shows yep. where he had the, so Devin Carter's look at the time was basically a, um, I guess you'd say knee length fur coat with the sleeves cut off, um, wrestling singlet, sunglasses, um, buzzed hair and beard. Um, so this, this kid had the, the whole look down. Um, and we had a show that I believe was in Grimes, Iowa, um, for whatever their local festival is. And we had Ted DiBiase there and, um, pretty good, uh, you know, crowd there. And yeah, so Devin Carter, uh, and mini Devin Carter bantered back and forth and, uh, he got involved a little bit in that. <laughs> so, but that, that kid, um, it was awesome. And, uh, his dad, uh, was a very cool guy. Uh, and he is uh, a Facebook friend of mine for years after they uh, stopped attending. He actually his, his the father passed away uh, this past fall. Oh. Um, so, you know, that's kind of one of the other things, uh, going through the, this, journey i guess whatever over the last 15 years is just it's weird how you get you know you get to know these people and just, i guess like any other aspect of life then you know some of them start to you know pass away or you know you know get sick and um so it's it, it kind of you know it sucks to see um that happen because i've seen several what i would consider fairly young people um either directly from wrestling or I knew them as fans, um, that have passed away now. So, but, you know, thank goodness for, um, him bringing his son to those shows because he livened up those <laughs> matches with Devin Carter, like to a crazy degree. And yeah. uh, Devin Carter himself got a huge kick out, out of that every single time it happened. Um, and Casanova and Devin Carter were tag team partners at the time. So that kid loved giving them a hard time. So, and also to Chad Milan, who was a manager on the shows at the time. Yeah. We he would bring signs <laughs> insulting Chad repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We would be remiss if we didn't mention Chad Milan on this. Oh my God. Good old Chad. My, my true to life cousin, um, who was just like me, a, a wrestling fan from, Probably from the time he was born, I don't know, and I, I maybe I rubbed that off on him, I don't know, but he, uh, when he was, because uh, he's several years younger than me, so I would always make sure that when his birthday was coming up, we would get him wrestling action figures for his birthday and uh, further his passion. And then when I started this company, it was actually uh, the year that he was graduating from high school, so he started helping us out with like ring crew slash security and as you can imagine chad being all of probably 130 pounds was a very menacing security guard so <laughs> very intimidating to anyone saw him standing um to the side of the ring but then it wasn't maybe the following year him and skylar started to host what we called outside the ring which was our youtube kind of talk show slash feature promos and our little skits vignettes mm -hmm. and he showed a side of himself that I had never seen before where he had this like dish sort of 
heel personality on there. And so then eventually we just started throwing him out there as a manager and, uh, he was great. I, I wish he still did it. I, he actually moved to Arizona as one of the reasons he's not doing it. And he, and he didn't pick it up out there, but uh, he was very good at it. And I think he would have gotten even better, um, if he would have stuck with it, but he did it for several years for us and started the Mylan management agency, um, you know, MMA. Mm-hmm. So, yep. He was very good with all of his different various talent that he had in that um, group. So I, I miss seeing him at shows um, just backstage, but also watching him on shows because he was a maniac. Uh, yes. Yeah. I don't know how he kept his voice at shows because, I mean, anybody said any little thing and he would he would yell from across the, the <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it'd just be insane. Just, hey, you know, just screaming at people. It was so funny. Oh, I, you know, and that's just the thing. I'm sure there's people that were forgetting to mention that I, you know, I've spent so much time. This isn't like a competition to mention everybody either. Right, but for like, sure. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I, there's so many people that I spent so much time around that, like you said, you build this community and you don't realize how many people you actually meet i mean on your level earlier we were talking about wrestlers and now we're talking mm-hmm. fan base even you know i mean for sure and kind of like with chad like you don't really know what's inside of that person necessarily even though you might know them really well and you know there's a guy named um midnight guthrie um is his wrestling persona mm-hmm. and he he started coming to our shows uh the, he was at the very first show he was going to iowa state at the time and, you know, I started to um, involve him as a backstage interviewer. And eventually he became a commentator and play-by-play guy. He, I thought, was like perfect backstage interviewer, kind of like an old school, you know, just a really, you know, straight face, kind of a, a goody two-shoes interviewer, you know, and the bad guys would give him a hard time and... But then he came to me uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago with this other idea he had about being a heel manager. And I was like, well, I, the way he made it sound to me, I thought it was phenomenal. It was the captain, Captain Midnight. And yep, yep. so now I, I, I threw him out on the show like that. He had a little captain's hat, like looking like Captain and Tennille. Uh, you know, he put on some <laughs> like 1980s looking eyeglasses. Um, and wearing a, a jumper, um, more or less. Yeah. And a, I was blown away. I was, I told him that night, I'm like, this was meant to be like, I yeah. wish he would have done it a decade ago, Yeah, but he, he is awesome in that role. And I'm, I'm happy to see him doing that. Not only on our shows, but like he is traveling a lot now he's going to different States doing this. Uh, manage different guys and he's got a good you know core group that he travels with also that he manages in iowa and other states so you know he's got a whole different um aspect to what he can do now he he could jump right back into the other stuff but this yeah. is really his calling i think yeah um like like you said earlier uh taking advantage of social media he's done a pretty good job of that recently too so i mean hats off to staying busy for you know doing that um but like you said earlier too midnight was a pretty reserved um 
you know, uh, like you said, not not like goody two shoes, but you know, he's, he was kind of like your goody two shoes, like you know, on scene reporter. Um, I'm here reporting with this guy. What do you have to say about that, sir? You know, yeah. and, you know, he was one of those kind of guys, and now to see him go out there, I've actually seen him uh, be Captain Midnight, you know, a few times. And, and by the way, he's not wearing a jumper; he's wearing a romper, and you couldn't afford one that <laughs> nice. Uh, he wanted That's right. he wanted me to tell you that. So, <laughs> uh, you know, he is he's doing damn good at doing what he's doing now. And I don't like you said; I don't know where it came from. I didn't even know he had it in him, and he's out there just crushing it, you know. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen guys transform like that over the last 15 years too. It's 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 one of those crazy things. Oh, for sure. And, you know, some guys, sometimes they get stuck with a label and it, it sticks. Uh, sometimes they're able to break away from it. And I, I remember early on, kind of, but a lot of people had, why it was, he can't cut a promo. They, you know, and other promotions would never give him a microphone. Um, and hang on I'll a tell you, that guy, yeah. You were, uh, you cut out there a little bit. We were talking. Oh, did I cut out? Yeah. So just. I was I was talking about, uh, so, so, you know, some guys get stuck with a, a label and they can't escape from it. Uh, there's a guy named Jeremy Wyatt, and he had the label of not being able to uh, cut a promo or do an interview. So other promotions, they wouldn't give him a, a microphone or they would put a manager with him to talk for him. And that guy might be one of the best promo guys that I've seen in independent wrestling. He is a ferocious heel when speaking on a microphone yes and i've also seen him be able to do it on the flip side where you know he can you know talk like a you know a, a good tough baby face and also you know get the crowd behind him yeah i mean he can de- definitely prefer to see him as a heel but man he he's a great talker yeah and that's that's wild like while you're on the topic of him i i think he can do more on twitter uh cutting a promo than most people can with a microphone nowadays it's <laughs> it's pretty wild you know um and that's that's another one of those things i i remember seeing him wrestle you know when i first started going to shows and he was one of the first guys that was like god damn this guy this guy knows what's up you know and mm-hmm. you know you get to follow people around uh twitter and see what they where else they go and you know, he was one of the first guys I I started just like kind of following him around. Where it's like, where's he wrestling this week? I'm gonna go check that out. You know, and you, yeah. you get you get that build that nice community of wrestling. It's uh it's wild, and it all started you know at at your shows at Three XW. It, it's it's pretty crazy. You know, uh, Clinton Kelsey had went to a few of your shows, and they were like, hey, you got to come with me, with us to one of these shows. And you know, I got sucked in hard. It was it, <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Um, we were talking social media. This might be a good spot to plug some social media. You have any, I know you got the three X wrestling.com. Is that still a website that's active? It still is. You know, we don't update it necessarily as much as we used to. I, I used to, um, Mark McDowell, mad dog. He, he's the one that does all the, the website itself. Uh, and he knows a little programming and such, so I used to kind of write his ass to update the roster constantly and make sure everything was <laughs> current. But kind of with the advent and popularity of social media, it makes it less necessary to have everything, you know, 100% perfect on the actual website itself. You know, we just will list the, the upcoming events um, and some, I would say, more basic information on the website. Mm-hmm. And then the more detailed stuff we'll put on all of our other platforms 
you know, and everywhere pretty much we're 3X Wrestling. So, you know, like Facebook.com slash 3X Wrestling. Twitter's at 3X Wrestling. Um, Instagram is the same. And then the only one that's different is YouTube. We have two YouTube channels. Um, one has a bunch of old stuff on it, and that's 3X Wrestling. And the one that has um, a vast majority of the content is 3X Wrestling Com because they wouldn't let us put a dot in, I guess. Uh, um, so you can check us out in either. Hopefully one day we can merge those two channels, but they haven't let us yet. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, I know that's – I've battled that a few times. Cause yeah. I've, I've tried to merge stuff over to the Audible Farm channel, and it's not – not happy not easy basically have to start over (laughs) yeah yeah and uh i'll tell you what how how much stuff are you putting on youtube these days is that where most of your content ends up you know it's it's interesting um so i've and this is just me personally really it's kind of you know i've gone back and forth on you know putting stuff on there and not putting it on there so there kind of has been a delay on certain times of adding content uh, mainly because of all the the streaming options available for pro wrestling companies now. So, in 2020, we're going to start adding all of our shows to uh, independentwrestling.tv. Which, cool for those not familiar, it's uh, it's a huge streaming service for independent wrestling companies. So, basically, um, there's there's promotions from all over the world on there. Uh, so we're gonna put both new and some older content on there and hopefully people will check it out. Uh, so it'll be a way for people to check it out if they want to. It's subscription based. Um, and I, I believe once it's up, it'll be the same deal. Like slash three X wrestling would be where you would find us on there. But, uh, YouTube, you know, we kind of run in some unfortunate venue things which is probably also a thing in music where we're doing events at the social club they closed um so we kind of had a little gap in des moines area shows due to them closing um our last scheduled event there we didn't actually get to do due to the timing of when they closed uh so our actual last show there was i believe like september 2019 so then we've done a couple of things here and there at other venues uh, but upcoming here at the the latter part of spring, we'll return to Des Moines, um, and we've got a show in March, actually, March 21st in Fort Dodge for the first time ever. So, what? Where are you going to be in Fort Dodge? So there is a place called Fort Frenzy. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, so March 21st uh, be our first event in Fort Dodge. Hopefully, one of many. That's and awesome. So I guess from what I understand, they've done some boxing and MMA there before in that venue. Uh, Of course, it's regularly totally different atmosphere there. But um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. So it'll be uh, really the the first actual uh, event event that we've had of the year. Um, We did uh, what I would call a kind of a mini show. It was just four matches at Pro Wrestling Night with the Iowa Wolves basketball team at wells fargo arena this past saturday yeah i was gonna uh, make i was gonna make sure to mention that man that looked yeah that looked super super cool, cool dude that looks very so cool yeah we you know kurt angle was their special guest for the night uh so you know he talked to the crowd beforehand introduced the the players and then for the main event of the four matches we did which took place during halftime of the game uh kurt angle got in the ring and 
did the ring announcements for the three XW heavyweight title match. So that was just for me personally, very cool to see, um, a guy of his caliber, you know, um, get in there and just to hear him three X say three XW heavyweight championship was pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, uh, man. but very nice guy. So, um, I was glad to, that was the second time that I had been able to be around him, uh, thankfully. And I recommend anyone go meet him if he's in your area. He's a, a super cool guy. Yeah. And he was very friendly with all of the, the wrestlers and all the fans. So, but that, that night, that atmosphere just, you know, there's, um, over 5,000 uh, people in attendance, uh, which I believe is one of their larger attendance of the year, uh, for the basketball game. So, very very cool for all of the wrestlers especially the guys that are from des moines locally to get to perform in you know kind of their home arena um was a i know very cool thing for at least for um a couple guys that talked to me about it so but uh, I, hopefully that um happens again in the future that was our third time uh, being able to do that with the the local basketball team so very very good team that has uh won some championships in their leagues before so hopefully they continue their success also yeah yeah definitely yeah it sounds like you guys are still doing real awesome things there you know even though i don't get to as many shows as i used to i uh this maybe this will hearken me back to coming to another show you know it's uh it's it's just one of those things i never when i was in my 20s i didn't have as much stuff on my plate now i've got so much on my plate it's a little bit more yeah, difficult you know I, I know the feeling <laughs> yeah well yeah you're balancing you were saying when you started all this you didn't even have a family or anything and now you got family and kids and right you know that's that's got to be quite the chore whole whole different atmosphere definitely you have to balance your time a lot differently and that's that's probably also when when people notice uh, a dip in social media presence or um, <laughs> maybe uh, stuff getting filmed, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've got stuff going on and, you know, Mark uh, McDowell, he's got kids now also. So, yep. uh, you know, it's, it's trying to balance home life with uh, work life slash kind of, it's really a second job sort of thing. So mm-hmm. um, trying to balance all that together and, you know, get everything out there in a timely fashion. Sometimes it's difficult, but, uh, you know, it sounds like things will amp up here as the, as the year goes on for us. And, um, which is, is good. I, I, w- I was okay with taking a couple months, kind of taking a little slower with the social club closing and we're able to kind of enjoy the holidays and not have to worry about a show around Christmas or anything. So that was a different kind of, uh, a winter for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you need that little bit of refresher too. You know, it helps you come back even stronger when you start doing the regular shows. I mean, wintertime wrestling shows are a little bit slower anyways. Um, typically due to weather and things like that, it's, you know, it does, does make it a little more difficult, especially like we talked about earlier, people traveling, you know, when you've got blizzards or snowstorms and in different States may not even be here but they're traveling from there, you know, it makes it a little harder. Yep. And sometimes, you know, day of, you have to totally rearrange, you know, the matches or ideas that you had because maybe two or three people can't make it because of weather or, you know, something happens. So, you know, it's, it's always a, a kind of a improvisation, I guess you could say. And uh, sometimes that makes it a little more fun. Yeah, man. I just, uh, 
I was just thinking, think of all the thousands and thousands of people that have come to see your shows over the last 15 years, how many smiles you've put on all these faces by just promoting wrestling and, and doing what you love. Um, you know, I guess I'm just imagining a childhood you looking at the adult you and and just being like what i get to do all of this you know that's that's crazy that's gotta feel cool it it is very cool and yeah i mean when i was a kid i could have never imagined that i would be involved in wrestling at all you know coming from a small town of you know 800 people and you know really not even knowing what was out there beyond what i saw on tv and yeah. I guess I probably also grew up in the best era of wrestling. Uh, I'm, and I'm sure everybody thinks that. But um, you know, <laughs> yeah, growing up in the 80s and early 90s, um, seeing NWA, WCW, you know, AWA, world class, all that stuff was still in existence when I was a kid. And it was all on TV. So, like, I got to see all these guys and as they jumped around and um, – you know, had their, all their action figures and stuff. And so, yeah, I would, that, that kid would be blown away by uh, what I've been able to do. And it, it kind of blows my mind too, is there's a few wrestlers wrestling for us now that when they were <laughs> kids came to our show. So oh my gosh, <laughs> to see them have actually gone through elementary up through high school and then trained and they're you know, grown people now and wrestle on our shows. The guy that is our champion now, Xander Killen, when he was much younger, he would attend our shows. So it's <laughs> mind blowing. You're a million years old, man. <laughs> I, it, that is exactly how it makes me feel. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, you've run into that on shows too. You know, you're playing guitar and you go to a show and there's some 16 year old kid just ripping it up and it's like god damn this kid's good he's half my age you know i, I started playing I guitar before he was born and <laughs> nah, whatever you know it's it's wild dude it's a, it's a trip you've been doing this for a long time and yeah you know, it's crazy to think that you know even i haven't even sat down and talked with you um you know face to face you know this is the closest we've gotten to talking to one another and in, in probably you know three four years right um you know i I'd go to shows. I don't always have an opportunity to talk to you at shows because obviously you're busy, you know, <laughs> like you're either right. in, you're in the show or you're backstage or you're doing Running around yeah. with my the old uh, chicken with its head cut off, just <laughs> doing a thousand things at once. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, you know, this is this is good to actually finally get to sit down and, and talk with you um, about some of the stuff, you know, actually get to cure some of that itch that I had all these questions I wanted to ask you over the years and and kind of delve a little deeper into you know, all these things that you actually do because, you know, you're not, you know, you're not just the manager there. And it's not like someone's like, oh, this guy, this guy's the owner of 3X, you know, you really are the owner of 3X Wrestling, you know, so there's a lot of stuff, you know, you got your finger in a lot of pies, you know, or whatever the analogy you want to use. But it's crazy, man. I just, I said it before, I'll say it again. Thanks for, for doing everything that you do to entertain as many people as you do. I mean, if anybody's listening to this and you have any, like literally any interest in pro wrestling, even in the slightest bit, did you grow up in the Hulk Hogan era, Attitude era? I don't care. Trust me, check out a local show. Go to 3XW down in Des Moines. Make it make an afternoon and an evening out of it. It's totally worth it. Yeah, thanks, man. It's, I think it's, it's one of those things that... Um, and I've heard this from coworkers to people I grew up with or, you know, r- random people that I've never met before. 
or when they've checked out our show, I mean, across the board, they always enjoy it. So, you know, whether it's gives you a laugh or you're impressed by the athletic ability or you just get into the characters, you know, whatever it is, uh, I think there's something for everybody and, you know, just give it an opportunity, um, you know, open your mind to it and you'll, you'll have a good time. I think, you know, everyone that I know that has seen it for the first time, they walked away being impressed or at least they lied to me and told them, told me they were. So, um, <laughs> I, I think it's one of those things that, you know, if you check it out, you, you'll like it. It's live entertainment. So, um, unless it's just our worst night ever, I think you'll walk away enjoying it. So Dude, yeah, yeah. if you see us around, come and check us out. Or if you're in another area and you see some other company, you know, go check them out, give it a chance. Um, you know, what's, what's the worst that happens? You, you don't like it, never come back. So it's, it's one of those things that, um, live entertainment, I think is, is sorely needed. You can't sit at home and stream Netflix or, you know, just support uh, Disney as they buy up all the movie companies. Yeah. You know, you've got to support you know, your local music, you know, the pro wrestling, local theater. Um, I've got a lot of friends involved in all three of those things. So, you know, get out and check out a live show, whatever it may be. Um, comedy, too. Those guys, you know, bust their ass trying to come up with new material. That's... Got a few comedian friends, and one of them used to be our ring announcer. So, yeah, you know, you, you talking Daryl, Daryl Moon, Daryl yeah. Moon. That was that was another one. I didn't realize how freaking funny that guy was until you started looking at some of his stuff online. Like, God dang, this guy's hilarious, <laughs> you know? And... Yeah, he, he is great. Um, it's, it's funny as the, the odd ways that people can get involved in wrestling. I actually work with his brother and his brother brought Daryl to a show. <laughs> so, <laughs> then Daryl and I got to talking and that's how he ended up as our ring announcer. So that's why, you know, yeah, that's super fun, man. Oh gosh. Well, I, uh, I think we covered quite a few of the things you were talking, uh, you know, checking out local pro wrestling shows. If, if another company comes to your town, I, I, I just want to say, uh, along the lines of that, if you've been to one company and you didn't like it, go try another company. Um, that's true. And- you know, it's, it's all different. You know, people do things differently. They have different ideas. They have different, uh, wrestlers. And I, I won't lie to you. There are some terrible wrestling companies out there that, no one should go to <laughs> but I, I, and you know, I, i'm not calling any good ones yeah i'm not calling anyone out but i've been to those i've been to enough wrestling right. shows to understand that um it's a, it's not a not a mean thing to say it's it's an honest thing to say it's just like anything else there, there are Bingo. terrible musicians there are terrible comedians you know there's terrible theater terrible movies you oh know? god yeah yeah so <laughs> i mean but there there are a lot of good ones and in the Midwest right now, there are a lot of good wrestling companies. Yes, and a lot of good wrestlers. And uh, once you find yeah. at least a good wrestler, you can f- kind of follow where they're working. And if they're a good wrestler, more than likely they're only working for good places. Yeah, I mean that's 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 how I started branching out into other companies. Was I wanted to see wrestlers wrestle more than once a month, you know? And it was like, right. I'm gonna go see where this guy's wrestling this month, and you get to see five, six, seven other guys that you never saw before, and. Yeah, maybe you like one of them. You know, it's it's a fun thing. If you like pro wrestling, I I highly suggest going to check out a local show. There's nothing better than live entertainment. There's nothing better than being ten ten feet away from somebody getting body slammed. You know, and it's like, oh, dude, you know, this is actually real. It's happening right in front right. of me. You yeah, know, that's uh, that's that's such a cool thing. 
Uh, you got anything else you want to add? We did all, we did all the plugging for the social media. It's at 3X Wrestling on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, YouTube, you've got 3X Wrestling com. Yes, sir. Yes. All right. You know, I I think that's all my all my plugs. You know, I thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And you know, just so all of your your listeners know, uh, you are the most flexible man in the world. I literally rescheduled this. I think 172 times <laughs> <laughs> because I, I am a, a madman, uh, mostly dealing with uh, small people in my house and different schedules. And I have a terrible memory. So then when I had an event, I had to switch it to another day. And so you are the nicest guy in the world. And I much appreciate you even wanting to talk to me, uh, and this platform. So dude, don't worry about it, man. I, uh, I spent enough time enjoying what you do and I, I just had to bug you about it a little bit, you know, and, and, and what you, what you and all of the wrestling community, all the wrestlers, like every drop of that is art. It's all art. You guys are doing insanely crazy things with your, like the imagination to come up with storylines to, to the actual wrestling itself, to the ability to interact with the crowd and things like that. It's, it's super wild. You know, it's, that's just one of those things I, I, it's, it's baffled me and it's wowed me more often than not. And I, I'm more than happy to talk to you and, and anybody else. If there's any other wrestlers listening to this, if I saw you wrestle and, and you want to sit down and talk with me about some wrestling stuff sometime, I would love to uh, dust off the old wrestling catalog and, and, and talk to you about what, you know, how you got to doing what you're doing. You know, this is, I really appreciate, you know, you sitting down talking with me because this is, you know, primarily an, you know, an entertainment, you know, music, art podcast, but you're, you're, you know, you're live entertainment just like everybody else. And I, I think what I found out by going to so many of your shows was how important live entertainment is in any facet. For sure. You know, and I, I think you see it to a different degree too when you go to smaller towns because they don't have access to maybe even a movie theater. So just to provide some form of entertainment for those folks to get out of their house and not have to drive an hour, you know, to the quote unquote city. Mm-hmm. Um it's something cool that you can provide to those communities. So uh, you get a different appreciation, too, I think, when you go to some of those local communities. But, you know, it's I appreciate you uh, having me on here and even trying to boost our signal a bit, um, just like you did on Twitter. You know, you, you, you did a lot to help you know, independent wrestlers and different uh, promotions, uh, you know, by attending their shows and putting out the the results, and uh, also promoting those those rankings, uh, weekly rankings of the different wrestlers. So, you know, don't sell yourself short either. You <laughs> you did a lot to help the the community itself. So, you know, thank you for doing that, and also attending the shows um, for you know, so many shows. Um, it was phenomenal uh, to have you and. You know, anytime that you want me uh, to come back on the show, I would be maybe more than happy to. And if you ever want any of the the guys, I can I can you know tell them to get their butts on here and speak to the man. Heck yeah, dude! That sounds awesome, uh, Todd. It's it's been a great time sitting down chatting with you. Um, I've been all smiles the whole time, man. It's been great. I really really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's, it's been fun. Uh, we'll have to do it again sometime for sure. Yep. Uh, don't go away. Uh, I'm going to talk to you after the podcast is uh, over here, but uh, don't go away. Oh, yeah. Another episode come and gone. Big thanks to Todd Countryman. Uh, you know, not only for joining me on the podcast, but for giving me something to do through the majority of my 20s. 
Uh, I had so much fun at every 3X wrestling show, all the fair shows they did, all the traveling shows, the shows at Des Moines, at the various locations they've promoted. Uh, man, I really appreciated all the you know cool people I got to meet, all the famous people, you know wrestlers that used to be on TV. Everything it was it was tons of fun. You know I made a lot of good friends, a lot of permanent acquaintances that I you know I still keep in touch with to this day. A lot of people that are doing a lot of fun things, and uh, you know just hats off to everybody in the wrestling community. You guys were a, a giant part of you know my 20s in my life, so I really wanted to harken back a little bit to that and just say thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, hey, everybody, go to a pro wrestling show. If you like pro wrestling even a little bit, I highly suggest it. The easiest way to find a wrestling show would be to uh, check out your local fair. Uh, county fairs are a hot spot for these uh, independent prom- promotions to come to town and, and re- you know, show you guys what pro wrestling is all about. That's uh, where I went and saw my very first uh, independent show ever. And... Uh, it was it was a while before I actually finally went to a 3X show, but it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I remember liking this on the independent level. Let's go let's go out on my own and drive to another town and check it out. And I did, and I loved it. I fell in love. It was uh, tons of fun. I really enjoyed it. So thanks, Todd, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Everybody, check out a local wrestling promotion near you if you're interested in 3X wrestling. I got links down below. Check them out. I want to say thanks once again to Todd. Thanks to everybody at 3X Wrestling for all the all the memories throughout the years. Everybody I watched wrestle, you know, in and out of the company. Uh, people I just wrestled there a couple times. I don't know. If you're listening to this and you're a wrestler, I probably saw you wrestle. So uh, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it, guys. I want to say thanks to Couchtown Coffee sponsoring us week in and week out. You guys can go to www.couchtowncoffee.com, find a coffee you like, and save 20% this week by entering the code 3XW. That's 3XW. Make an order at couchtowncoffee.com. Use that code word 3XW. It'll let them know that Audible Farm sent you there. Oh, man. Saving 20% never sounded so good. Appreciate it. Thanks, Couchtown. Thank you guys for listening to this week in and week out. Uh, it's, it's getting more popular. It's crazy. I'm starting to look at the stats, and I'm uh, it's, it's wild. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, it seems about... Every week I have somebody reach out to me and say, hey, I really appreciate what you're doing. It's really cool. I like this episode. I like that episode. I just found your podcast. I'm going back a handful of episodes to listen to some older ones. I really appreciate it. So if you guys found an episode that you liked and you want to go back and check out some old episodes, please do. Let me know what you think of them. Let me know what you you think of the podcast. I really appreciate it. Go to www.audiblefarm.com to find all things Audible Farm, links to everywhere, contact information, even some links to other podcasts and cool things. So check it out, www.audiblefarm.com. Thanks once again to Todd Countryman, this week's guest, 3X Wrestling promoter and owner. I will check you guys next week. Peace.